The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that may result from listening to this podcast. This is the Scream Kings podcast. I'm Nathaniel Darkesh. This is Max George. Oh, and it's not just the Scream Kings podcast. Uh, I'm, my name is Charlie Conlon, and I'm the host of the Knowing My Nightmares podcast. This is a combined episode. Yeah, should be interesting. It's the first for the Scream Kings. We've been trying to do this for quite a while, so thank you, Charlie, for being the first. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. So I guess for our uh, audience who may not be familiar with you, do you mind introducing yourself a little bit there, Charlie? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Charlie Conlon, and uh, I'm the host of the Knowing My Nightmares podcast. My podcast, I would say, is a horror story podcast at its core. Each story, each episode is based off a story, and the story is based out of a nightmare that I've actually had. And then uh, I take the dream elements that from the nightmare and... Uh, analyze them and then people can pull from that if they've had similar experiences cool cool and i have to say i i really have enjoyed listening to the episodes i've listened to it's very creepy stuff and and i enjoy kind of seeing your evaluation of of you know what makes up the elements of the dreams thanks and your your episode the banshee terrified me i listened to it on a drive and it was not my favorite thing to listen to in the best of ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, that episode's actually uh, all of the all of the episodes take place roughly in places that I've been, and uh, that one is takes place in my sister's bedroom with the three windows. That and uh, make it better. <laughs> I know. I don't think she can actually sleep in that room anymore. So that was pretty fun. All right. So I guess other than the the podcast, what, what's just a little bit about you and and you know, can you share just a uh, sort of your credentials as a horror fan and things like that? Well, uh, I went to school um, originally for television. And uh, in that, I got involved with a lot of projects and indie films and things like that. But in terms of like horror, um, I was introduced to it at a very, very early age, um, around six years old um, or six or seven. I watched The Sixth Sense for the first time. And... Uh, it scarred me for life. Uh, still can't go to the washroom at night without kind of closing the door behind me, thinking something's going to walk past the door. That's fair. That that scene is pretty traumatizing. Ugh. Right. And then uh, when I was about eight years old, I started hanging out with this one kid, and we we would have a sleepover every single weekend, and every single weekend we would knock off another horror movie. So I would say at the age of eight, I condensed pretty much every single horror movie within that year. Uh, so I was pretty desensitized at a very early age and just completely fell in love with the genre. Well, it's a great genre to, to be in love with. So um, I'm, I'm curious, are, are there, uh, you know, is there a favorite scary movie you have? Uh, what's the scariest movie you've seen? Uh, we talked about this a little bit before the show, but yeah, I, I kind of want to hear what, what you have for us. Well, yeah, I, I like I said it, uh, or before, this was a uh, this was a really hard question because there's just such a like a huge roster of scary movies, 
And um, my favorite scary movie all time of all time would have to be Poltergeist because I just have so much fun with it. And I think in terms of favorite scary movie, it's one that you can like watch when you're like have a sick day or something and it makes you feel good and you're like, oh, that's fun. But uh, it was a three-way tie between Poltergeist, Candyman, and um, The Shining. Ugh. All fantastic movies. Yeah. Candyman. Not a lot of people like appreciate Candyman as like Candyman is incredible. The yeah. soundtrack in that movie is the best. And the weird nightmare imagery and yeah. Right. And then that doesn't even get into The Gate or um uh, The Thing or Evil Dead 1, 2 and 3 or any of those like All right, we're going to get along this episode. We're <laughs> speaking our language here. <laughs> Um, but in terms of scariest, this one was hard for me because there are so many scary movies throughout my life where I feel like there was a scary one that I thought was scariest each decade, but I'm going to have to say the scariest is hereditary. Yes. We are very big fans of hereditary. Yeah. Yeah. We we have long made the joke that, that we are basically just a hereditary fan cast at this point. So, (laughs) well, I just finished listening to your two part series on hereditary and it was really awesome. (laughs) Well, Thank you so much. And, and yeah, maybe, we, we can't wait for wit, uh, for midsummer in, what, three days, I'm four so days. Excited. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, I mean, Hereditary, like, I, that is the best cinematography I've ever seen in a movie, by far. And mm-hmm. mixed with the horror elements. I mean, we shouldn't focus this too much or we'll talk about it nonstop. Right. But I would have to say, just really quickly... um, that was the only time I've ever seen a movie where it cuts to the opening shot of the house or like an exterior shot of the house and it's all tilt shift. And I audibly said in the theater, wow. <laughs> oh, that's great. But yeah, so that would probably be the scariest. So maybe that's a good segue to kind of tell maybe some of your listeners who are not familiar with the Scream Kings who we are. Yeah. What are your favorite scary movies um, and favorites horror movies? Do you want to go first, Max? Absolutely. Um, my favorite scary movie, again, it's kind of evolving. It's I'm trying to think of it, and right now it's a three-way tie. When we first started our podcast, it was As Above, So Below. Um, I'm kind of a an occult fanatic. I love demons. I love spellcasting. I love mythology, all of that. And I feel right. like... As Above, So Below really tied in a lot of those cool elements. I love found footage videos, and so it was just kind of the perfect horror package for me. Right. Um, But then I was introduced to the remake of Evil Dead, and that scared me shitless for quite a while. It's a pretty good movie. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, And right now, I've been binging Beetlejuice lately. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I would consider it quite horror or horror comedy, but it, it's one of those It's movies, fun though. It's one of those movies you could watch on repeat and never get bored. It's so fantastic. It's true. Beetlejuice is definitely a mainstay for movies that my wife and I watch to sleep. And there's a Broadway musical now, which is amazing as well. And I'm a Broadway fanatic too, so it's all perfect. It's all lining up for me. Everything's um, coming up, Max. Everything's coming up. <laughs> Have you seen the Evil Dead musical? Uh, no, but I, I'm writing that down right now. It's pretty great. First three, first three rows are a blood splatter zone. Oh my god! Yeah, you have to wear a poncho. Yeah, it's true. Ah! Um, my, the scariest horror movie I think is Hereditary, hands down. So yeah, we're in alignment there. 
it's uh, again it's just an incredible movie the demonology behind that movie the whole mythos of payment and how they are like conjuring him was just like the biggest occult gasm i think i've ever had in a movie okay and then uh for me my favorite scary movie it's probably tied between alien and silence of the lambs oh both great yeah just two fantastic movies i will watch them over and over again forever uh, and then probably the scariest, also hereditary, because, hereditary. well, the reasons we have already talked about. <laughs> right. <laughs> we should, uh, uh, man, I, I could just talk all day about hereditary. It's hard not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So could we. So could we. But that's not why we're here. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so today we wanted to talk about sleep paralysis. Uh, who wants to kick us off? And maybe more generally, we want to talk about the movie The Nightmare, which is a really awesome kind of mockumentary on Netflix. And when I found Charlie's podcast, it was, again, the stars were lining up. We were coming up. Max reached out to you because you have such an incredible background in this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, sleep paralysis, uh, I do suffer from sleep, sleep paralysis um, like at least once a month. Uh, it, it's very intense and the nightmare did a pretty good job of, uh, like getting into it and what it was. Uh, unfortunately there's obviously some problems with the movie. So yes. Tell us about your dreams. You know, in your podcast, you, every episode is based around these incredibly detailed and vivid dreams you've had. When did this start for you? Did it start when you were eight watching the horror movies? Has it kind of developed and evolved as you've gotten older? Like, take us through that. Well, um, I would say it's definitely developed and evolved as I've gotten older. But I mean, everybody has nightmares and you, you have nightmares throughout your entire life. But for me, it was more so, um, I started getting the the reason why I wanted to start the podcast was again uh horror horror stories at its core and all of these horror stories were happening in my own head all the time that I was like I should write this down. And then I started the thing about uh dream analysis and um getting into it and all that is if you start actually writing down your dreams when you wake up, then you actually start dreaming more. And it's kind of like this snowball effect of the more you start recognizing dreams and getting into it, that then the more frequently start happening. But for me, it really started taking off at a stressful time in my life where my nightmares were having very, were happening very frequently, but I was enjoying them. <laughs> if that makes sense. Because for me, I started actually going and saying to my wife, what was that movie we were watching the other day where this happened? And she's like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, right, that was a nightmare I had. So I started actually getting my own nightmares mixed up with books I was reading and movies I was watching. And I was like, I should share these. These, this, This is scary stuff. So that's kind of how the podcast started. That's incredible. And so do you feel like... You know, for those who aren't familiar with dreaming, there's something, a term that we use, lucid dreaming, where you actually know you're dreaming, so you can kind of direct where the adventure, quote-unquote, is going. Is that something you also experience in the sleep paralysis, or are they very separated? Well, um, every time I nightmare, like, every time I have a nightmare, it's not necessary. it doesn't necessarily line up with a sleep paralysis. Uh, sleep paralysis is still relatively rare, but it's just like once in a while, um, they usually happen when I have naps. Uh, and specifically if I'm laying on my back, 
it's interesting. This would be this is actually a pretty good segue into sleep paralysis. But every time I try and actively lucid dream, I trigger sleep paralysis. Okay, interesting. And it's always met with something terrifying in a dream. In my Slenderman episode, there's a part where I'm looking in the peephole and I see him at the end of the hallway at my apartment and he comes down the hallway. That was a nightmare that I actually had. But when he reached the peephole, I woke up and triggered by sleep paralysis. So there are a lot of things that happen within my dream that trigger it rather than I wake up and it's already happening. And anytime I attempt to lucid dream, because a lot of people can naturally lucid dream and they don't even know it. Or in there's a lot of people who can hone the skill of actually doing it, but it takes a lot of practice and patience. But for me, I just every time I try and do it, it literally just I wake up anytime I try and I'm frozen. And that is not worth it. <laughs> it, well, it's, it's it's not. It, it really isn't because it does get to the point where you're like, oh, this is, is it worth it? It's very scary. And, you know, a lot of the times it's met with the hallucinations that are um, talked about in the movie, The Nightmare. Mm-hmm. So let's let's dive right in. Like, what is sleep paralysis? Um, as far as I understand, you know, it's this weird physiological response that our brains go through while we're sleeping. Uh, where we wake up, but we're still in that kind of REM dream state. So we are taking in visual stimuli that is there, but also not there. It's, yes. it's a real weird kind of mind game. It's like, yeah, you're right. It's it's kind of like an in-between space. Yeah, because it, my understanding of it is that the... The mind still doesn't fully realize that that the that you're fully awake yet, and so even though you are able to, you know, be aware of your surroundings, you're able to look around. Um, the part of your body that you know keeps you from moving around as you're interacting uh, with a dream is still active, and so you you're stuck. Right. It's your the muscles in your body are still sleeping, but your mind is awake. Is essentially what it is, mm-hmm. and then sometimes um, lucid dreaming can spill over into 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 your waking life there was an experiment i've i've been studying dream stuff my entire life and when i was 16 years old my friend and i stayed up for five days straight because if you stay up a certain amount of time you actually start actually dreaming in your surroundings while you're awake so it's kind of the same thing you just can't move that sounds horrifying (laughs) yeah i i i have some friends who every year uh, during the summer, they would yeah stay up for like four or five days straight until they started getting mm-hmm. a little bit hallucinatory, uh, and then go to the local theme park uh, lagoon and said that it was the trippiest experience ever because they're riding roller coasters Jeez. while hallucinating. Well, yeah, and I mean even even if you're if you've stayed up for that long and you're driving in a car, you're technically intoxicated and can get a ticket for impaired driving. Mm-hmm. And the, kind of the crazy thing to me too is when you Google sleep paralysis and you look into kind of that the scientific research there's not a lot out there uh there's no real drugs or medications that you can use to under to control it it's very misunderstood and i think that in itself has caused a lot of kind of the mythology to be developed from it you know this is where people say that they've been abducted by aliens that they've been visited by ghosts that they have succubi incubi demons like it's crazy the craziness is out there 
<laughs> yeah, there's a there's definitely a lot of alien ghosts, um, demons lore. Um, it, it's very interesting. And there's this book that I've read called uh, Dream Images from the Afterlife, and it talks about um, seeing deceased loved ones uh, coming to you with messages and talking <laughs> to you in your dreams and things like that. And in that book, it talks about uh, near death experiences. And, uh, mm -hmm. that when you have a near death experience, you kind of have one foot firmly on the other side and it can be accessed through dreams. So there could be like, I believe in this theory that if I'm seeing these apparitions through my sleep paralysis, like what's to say they aren't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, um, I have had a near death, or, uh, when I was 10, I was hit by a car and, uh, was uh, essentially dead for about three minutes. So I've had a near-death experience. So I'm wondering if that's why I have so many vivid dreams and sleep paralysis. Almost like it kind of breaks down that veil or bridge in some regards so you can kind of see past that. Yeah, something like that. And I mean, like when you're in the moment of sleep paralysis and you do see these images, it's kind of hard not to think that because like... What if I'm seeing somebody standing in my room and it, to me it's real and I've got this sensation through my body, which is essentially a vibration and I can't move. Yeah. And, and uh, along those lines, you know, a lot of times people experience not just, you know, seeing things uh, in, or in addition to the you know lack of movement, but also a lot of times people will feel like a sensation like they're being pressed right. down into their bed, things like that. And so, you know, that really, I'm sure, heightens the experience because it's not just a, you know, visual hallucination or, or vision or, or whatever. Uh, there's also, you know, a lot of times, you know, other uh, senses being activated as well in a really uh, sometimes terrifying or sometimes, you know, I guess maybe even a transcendent sort of way. And I mean, in terms of talking about the movie, The Nightmare, there is something very interesting in that movie where they were talking about um, auditory hallucinations which to me was the scariest mm -hmm. part <laughs> um it, i don't know if you guys want to get into the movie or um before we get there i want to i want to know some of your experiences what you've seen i mean i know your podcast has a lot of these stories in it but do you have a few that jump out to you that really kind of affected you yes um i have four distinct um Whoa, scenarios okay. that have happened to me um, and they were all around, they were all in the same year. The first one, which, uh, this one was greatly affected me after I saw the nightmare because there's a part in that movie that is similar to this. I woke up in my bed and it, well, if I'm laying in my bed, my door is essentially at the foot of my bed and to the right. So I woke up in my bed frozen, um, unable to move. And usually when this happens in my head, I'm screaming for my wife to wake me up, but I'm literally just laying there in silence. So I look over at my door and there's a man, a cloaked man standing in the doorway. Nope. And then he just grows to about nine feet and he's so tall that he has, he's like ducking under the ceiling. Nope. And then I'm sitting there literally sweat dripping down my brow, unable to move, trying to scream for my wife. And this thing takes three gigantic steps swiftly over to me while I'm laying in my bed and then just disappears nope he looked like death he looked like essentially ah, death that's crazy yeah so that one was really scary um and then the second one was a 
it was like a six-year-old boy playing in my room, but he was dressed like from the 1930s in like overalls. And he was just kind of playing around the room and he was just kind of not caring that I was there and just kind of, again, I was just kind of like noped out of there and went back to bed. (laughs) But um, that one was weird. The third one was, uh, again, in my doorway, there was uh, a hunched over old woman, kind of looked like a medieval beggar. (gasps) The hag! The hag. So um, Mm -hmm. this woman was sitting in the in the doorway all hunched over and she was holding, she was kind of like twiddling her fingers. And then she quickly shuffled over to my bed, like, like the big tall man where they are, they're always coming at me. And, uh, she like shuffled over and just disappeared again. But it was, it was really terrifying because her face was all like, she looked like a, like a leper essentially. That's super interesting because the hag has, is so like well known. Like, yeah, not the only person who has seen something like that. Well, yeah, which is so strange because when we watch, when I, I watched the nightmare with my wife, and she was convinced that I had seen it first because there were so many similar cases in that movie oh, across wow. all parties. Yeah, and and I I have had some friends uh, when I lived in South Carolina who. Uh, shared experiences of being hagged. Uh, generally, sleep paralysis uh, is m- frequently referred to, at least in my experience, uh, in that region right. as just being hagged. Um, and so, you know, regardless of if it's a shadow figure or a, a woman or whatever they see, it's usually just called being hagged. And so, yeah, I, I find it interesting that that's such a, a strong. That's a really funny term. Well. I'm gonna I'm gonna pocket that one. <laughs> you just been hagged. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the fourth time was in the doorway again, um, where it was a very beautiful woman who looked like she was dressed in like a 1950s summer dress. And she was just standing there looking at me and then just kind of fizzled away like uh, like almost like pop fizz or soda fizz for you Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the state. Pop fizz That's is very true. common here in Utah. Okay. <laughs> well, that one doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But there are times now when I wake up in the middle of the night in from having a nightmare, and I just kind of wake my wife up, and I'm just like, check the door, because I just don't look at the door anymore, because it's just too frightening, and it's too much of a gamble to see that. And you mentioned your wife had an experience as well. Yeah, she did. Uh, it was when we were in high school. We've known each other since we were like 13. So when we were in high school, she was sleeping and it, this was uh, extraterrestrial. So um, she woke up and there was a, a tall gray man standing next to her bed. Oh, boy. Like an alien. And uh, he kind of just, I think... He just walked away after that. Like he was just, she woke up and he was just standing there, which is, um, a really, really interesting because like, I wonder how many people, especially people who believe in aliens and extraterrestrial life have just naturally sleep paralysis and they mistaken those as like abduction cases or, um, or same could be said with someone who's, um, very religious and sees a demon. But it's just an image projected by their own mind. Right. Our consciousness is so influenced by how we're raised, what we believe in, uh, traumatic events. Like, I think sleep paralysis is an incredible 
kind of way to look at a lot of these visionary experiences that people have had in the past. Well, what's even more interesting is throughout history, sleep paralysis has been a thing, but you can see how it's affected lore in terms of like, like there's that famous picture where the demon's sitting on the girl's chest. Mm-hmm. Right, the classic, classic incubus, succubus kind of a thing. Yeah, so like, obviously, these guys weren't having sleep paralysis nightmares about aliens back in 1700s. Exactly. So it it, deve- it kind of, uh, or I wonder if it changes throughout culture as well. So it's just interesting to think that it's basically based on your own mind. And uh, Max, you said that you had a story as well. Yeah, I do. It was kind of an isolated event for me. Um, at the time, I for was now. beginning. For now. Don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> uh, knock on wood. <laughs> um, during... When this event started kind of happening, it was at the beginnings of a very, very nasty and long divorce that I had been going through. Mm -hmm. And at first, I would wake up and I'd look kind of over towards my door again, which is another kind of weird thing that I'm picking up on is all of your experiences had something to do with the doorway. Your wife's had something to do with the window. I wonder if there's like some gateway symbolism there going on, but... When I first started having them, it was this kind of crouched down, red-eyed shadow man. Woof. Um, which, if in the movie, The Nightmare, they actually have a scene with a shadow man with red eyes. And the first time I saw it, I, it shook me to my core. I could not watch it for a real long time. That was me and the tall man. Ugh. That one really got to me. And so... That one event, I just kind of chalked it up to a weird nightmare. You know, I'm, I'm going through all of this anxiety, blah, blah, blah. And then I left my now ex-wife, and that's when, like, the proverbial shit hit the fan. Um, <laughs> the shadow man was now standing, and I'd see him almost on a daily to weekly basis. And the divorce was getting really, really nasty. It was getting really, really bad. And the more stressed I seemed to be, the closer and closer he would get to me. Yikes. Uh, He never would touch me. He would never, like, get on me or do anything. But the worst moment I remember is I I woke up in the middle of the night. I turned my head and he was there. Um and it messes with you. You you wake up and you just feel nauseated almost because you believe it's like physically real and like almost violated. Like who was in my room with me last night? Well, that's I what was... I'm saying. It's arguably it's saying like what makes it not real because mm-hmm. it's it's it feels so real. Like all your senses yeah. are saying it's real, right? Right. So. My therapists got to hear all about that. They sure loved that story. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting that it was during a stressful time in your life because the times that I had sleep paralysis was um, I was working for CTV News at the time as an editor. And I was in my fourth year working there and I was a nervous wreck based on the uh, content that I had been editing for the last three years. And it was probably the most stressful time in my life. And I ended up quitting that job because it was just destroying me as a person. And during that time is when I had all these experiences. So it it does seem to be linked to your stress. Yeah. And the research I was kind of doing before this episode, that was kind of one of the biggest facets. The second one was it's a genetic thing that some people are just predisposed to kind of vividly dream and also go into these types of situations right 
Well, should we get into the movie? Yeah. I think so. Okay, so The Nightmare. It's a documentary film um, with a lot of uh, like recreations of, of different things. It's on Netflix for anyone who wants to check it out. I think it's also on uh, Shudder. But yeah, it is quite the movie. And again, if you're listening to us, you should know that spoilers are going to be all abound. We'll probably ruin this movie if you haven't seen it, so I apologize in advance. Spoil cast, guys. Spoil cast. <laughs> Spoil cast, for sure. <laughs> but to be fair, I mean, it is a documentary, and we've already kind of spoiled it already. <laughs> it's true. Um, for the most part, I thought it was okay. Um, like we've mentioned, it's this documentary, mockumentary about sleep paralysis as a whole. There's a lot of varied stories, a lot of different people about their experiences with it, what the creators of this documentary think it is, what it isn't, what it means to these people. Like, it's fairly stable in its execution, I think. Yeah, and so, uh, just a little bit of, uh, background, um, so... This is made by the same filmmakers who made the film Room 237, which kind of goes into a lot of fan theories about the film The Shining. Uh, so it's the same people who, who are involved in, in making this. Uh, it's, it has the same kind of stylistic elements. Uh, I know that that one was a pretty widely watched documentary film, especially in the horror community. Oh, I didn't know that these guys made that. That's a great movie. Or did I? Yeah. So maybe we should talk about some of the good things about the movie, things we liked, things we enjoyed. Um, obviously, I've mentioned that it affected me quite substantially with the stupid shadow man and the red eyes. <laughs> it might be scarier to me because I had that personal connection to it. Um, yeah, I would say like the mo- like you said at the like just like just a minute ago, it was it was an okay movie. I coming from a film background, I was a little annoyed by the like uh, shot, the like the shots that they were doing, like mm. the, like the interview shots were like some of them were just like why would they do that? Like that was just weird. It kind of took me out of it a little bit. But when it started kind of getting into the movie, and I started, I got over that. They started talking about their experiences, and then once they start bringing them in, like when they start like casting in. Like they sh- like the-, the girls talking about seeing the guy in the window, and then you see the guy in the window, and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> well, and it's all like very well done practical effects too. Like it's just people in morph suits, basically. Um, yeah, which is crazy to me. Well, like I w- I feel like the movie definitely hits home with people who have had these experiences more. Like I would I between you like uh, between you and Nathaniel. I, I feel like it would be it's different, you know, because Max, you've experienced something, and Nathaniel, you haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully, ne- hopefully never. But um, yeah, like like I I feel like that's a very valid point because you know, as Max mentioned, you know, the Shadow Man with the red eyes really affected him. When I saw that one, I was kind of like, oh, that one's kind of cheesy for me. Like I, I rather, or I, I much preferred the scenes where it was showing just, you know, straight up shadow men with no features that were just kind of, you know, hovering above the bed. Uh, because, uh, you know, th- that's kind of more how I've heard it described. Um, I'm actually, uh, have been playing with a short story idea for a long time that involves sleep paralysis and a shadow man. And so that was kind of what, what appealed to me. And so a lot of the other things, you know, the kind of the more, uh, gray alien sort of things or the, you know, glowing red eyes kind of didn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that is kind of testament to this movie is there is almost a little bit of everything for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, It has the demon kind of aspect. It has the aliens. It even has kind of succubi incubi into it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it also has kind of this weird like LSD high lights lights and and sounds. And we can talk about that later when we talk about the not so great parts. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, sorry, uh, I, like, I feel like this movie, the best part about it was definitely, if they were to just, like, like, the the best part about it was the the reenacting of the monsters and actually seeing what these people were talking about. Like I had mentioned earlier, the audio sensory where the guy is sitting, like, that one, there's a one scene where there's a guy kind of peering in through a door and he's just, like, talking to him. Like, that really got to me. I'm like, that's scary. Yeah. If it's like some old man talking on the other side of your door and you can only see them. Yeah, and it's like whispering like weird weird stuff at you, like, yeah, that's that's a trip. That that takes it to a, the next level of, of scary. Well, there is something called ex, uh, external sensory stimuli, which is um, basically if you're laying in your bed and you're essentially just hitting that REM stage, if there's a noise in your room, it immediately takes part your brain immediately interprets it into images so it's interesting if maybe those voices were coming from somewhere outside or maybe somewhere else in the house and his this guy's mind was projecting this terrifying scenario mm-hmm. well you talk about that on knowing my nightmares i believe it's either your first or second episode you kind of relate this dream but then also make connections that maybe you were hearing the cat meow or things happening outside that your brain was hearing and then twisting and manipulating into something much darker um, yeah it, it is it is ironic that your brain does set these horrible things up for yourself So should we move into some of the not-so-great things about this movie? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it is by no way a perfect movie at all. At all. No. Like I said, the best parts about the movie are when you see what they're talking about and they do these effects of these people walking in their rooms or these glowing aliens and maybe not that part. But like like when you see these things, it, it is a scary movie. But when you get these guys talking, get them out of here. They're just, they annoyed me so much. <laughs> yeah, do some, some serious editing to make it so their discussion actually has some sort of fluidity to it. I 100% acting, agree. The acting felt cheesy almost. And Specifically like, that one girl. Yes. Yes. Ugh. And I felt like the scary parts were very scary, and then it would cut away to these weird interviews that felt almost contrived and forced that it completely made the horror fall apart. Like a little bit. It was, I was, I was pretty much like the whole time, like get back to the point. Agreed. Yeah. And I felt like a lot of the stories were just so half baked. Like I really wish that the filmmakers would have been, you know, okay, I like this story, but I need you to make it more concise because a lot of times it was just like weird, vague half details a lot of like repetition a lot of you know kind of meandering around a point for a long time and it just didn't do it especially the the dude who always has like the weird light show uh experience the one who talked throughout the majority of the movie yeah i felt like he was probably the person who talked the most maybe second most 
and he just wasn't very good at telling stories. He felt yeah. like the comic book guy from The Simpsons. I felt the same way. I felt like he could have been reduced, and they maybe could have outreached to other people, whether or not these people are actually people who experience it, or if they're actors. I'm not really sure on that. They are uh, actual people um, who experienced it. They're right. Well, then maybe they should have gotten maybe uh, expanded the rep- like expanded their roster of actors, or I mean, uh, people with experiences. Because yeah. I feel like that one guy, and every time they cut back to him, it was like a different day and a different set. Like he was like on a computer and then in a hallway, and it was just like I just couldn't like, ignore those things. Yeah, and and I also felt like that that was an- another thing that that really kind of showed uh, an issue with the show was that it was very inconsistent in like it had like weird transitions where they like would i don't know just show a set being set up for the the recreations and i'm like i didn't like that it just felt like they were being lazy and kind of took me out of it a little bit or or yeah that that they would have someone in a studio one day and then they would have them on skype the next day and it just right why and I felt, too, that there are a lot of stories, and I really liked the diversity of stories, mm. but they were, they were lacking some sort of cohesion. A few of the stories, like our comic book guy from The Simpsons, as he is now titled, <laughs> um, it felt like his experience was more of an acid trip. And then you had the religious lady who it was almost hyper-religious in a sense. And then mm. you had the top hat guy, and... It, I understand that sleep paralysis can be varied and is so like personal for different people, but it almost felt like they weren't telling the same story about sleep paralysis, if that makes sense. Well, um, I get what you mean. I mean, sleep paralysis stories vary a lot, but um, what I think is unfortunate about the movie is what the movie did well, they did really well in that they kind of um, brought these images to life, mm-hmm. but what's unfortunate is that they kind of didn't show enough of that. So like when they're talking about these sleep paralysis, like when I talk about my tall man or hag, uh, that I've been hagged, um, that's scary. Hashtagged. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that in itself is scary. It speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if I were to tell that story again and then again and then again, it kind of loses its muster. And I feel like a lot of these stories kind of did that, especially with the comic book guy. I felt like, okay, you've said this already. When there were instances where there were stories that were like notably different, like the guy who, you know, his story felt much more alieny than a lot of the other ones. Like, I think maybe they should have presented those stories uh, kind of more as an isolated piece. You told it, you know, front to, to end while in, instead of kind of interspersing it with other things, because sometimes they would say something, and and it, I felt like the filmmakers were implying that it kind of sh- uh, shone light on everyone else's experience, but it was such a different experience that I don't feel like that was the case. And so I felt like it was disjointed because I, I was getting all of these pieces that didn't quite fit together as if it was being presented as a whole puzzle. Mm, that's a good point. And I think for me, one of my biggest issues with the movie and this is kind of a a fairly standard rule i live by is when i watch documentaries like this i hate when they just jump to conclusions i felt like the nightmare did this quite a bit you know you had this religious lady who seemed almost 
hyper-religious to the point of not being believable. Mm -hmm. And her immediate thought was, there's a demon and it's taking not only my soul, but it's taking the soul of my baby and my neighbors and my (laughs) cats and my fish. Run for your lives. Like, like, (laughs) calm down, girl. Let's Let's talk through this a little bit. And there was no, like, substantial scientific or third-party interpretation of the sleep paralysis, which, mm-hmm. as we've discussed, you know, if these things are real, then let's lean into that. But let's also take a look at the science, take a look at maybe some other opinions that are floating out there about sleep paralysis. Right. Yeah, yeah, whenever we had a doctor's opinion, and it was given to us secondhand, you know, through someone telling a story where they were like, oh, yeah, I talked to my doctor, and they didn't take it seriously. And it's like, well, let like maybe let's have some doctors who would take it seriously. Let's have a, a wider discussion about this topic instead of just having, you know, these very narrow perceptions of it. Like, Charlie, right. have you had any sort of, like, have you seen doctors or therapists, psychiatrists for your sleep paralysis? Um, no, uh, I have just read a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of, uh, I'm pretty open-minded on, like, every angle of it, so... Uh, I just kind of am along for the ride. Also, I'm not uh, necessarily scarred by it. I more so find it as kind of interesting. So maybe if it gets to the point where I, like the one guy, he said that he woke up in the middle of the night and his sleep paralysis caused him to stop breathing. Maybe once I get to that point, I might go see somebody. (laughs) And I mean, I was already seeing a therapist for my divorce. And so it just kind of naturally came to light and they totally like respected it they didn't think i was insane Mm -hmm. you know they definitely thought it was related to the stress of the divorce and kind of my subconscious like depression and anger manifesting itself in a physical form so that i could in like battle against it in a way you know and so i don't know there are explanations for things that people often forget Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah um, one other issue I had with the show was that uh, a lot of the stories that were related were from, uh, you know, adult people who are, you know, probably 40, 50 years old, uh, and they're sharing experiences that happened to them, you know, sometimes as very, very small children, you know, the the guy who had the alien story who made the mask, you mm-hmm. know, he, he shared a story and he's like, oh yeah, this is my first memory, I was probably three years old, and to me, that kind of inherently, uh, I need to be that much more skeptical of because it is so far in the past and and it's at a point in your life where you know memory is so malleable and all of that and so i i felt like you know i i, I would the documentary would have benefited from having people who are you know more uh, recently experiencing things or things like that uh, as as a bigger part of the base because I felt like, yeah, too many of the, the people who were sharing stories were sharing stories from when they were three or four years old. And I just don't necessarily it's not really like credible have the same weight. Yeah. And we've talked about on the Scream Kings podcast how memory is so malleable and you have an event that happens when you're five. By the time you're eight, that memory is going to be incredibly twisted and distorted and not what it was. Absolutely. And... Uh... I like I've I've never I never had sleep paralysis until about college and but before that when I was a kid I was an I would sleepwalk a lot so I wonder if it's kind of like almost evolved into this I I used to sleepwalk so much that um, after my car accident they had to my parents had to put a, a uh, sensor under my bed like a pressure plate 
And I was so severely concussed that I, that I couldn't leave the house. So if I were to get out of my bed and start sleepwalking, then my parents would know that there was like an alarm in the room. And I sleptwalk once in college. And then since then, it's been sleep paralysis. Interesting. Interesting. Well, was there anything else that we did not love about this movie? <laughs> I feel like we've ripped it apart substantially. What was your favorite part? Oh, the the man with the red eyes, just because I've seen him. Yeah, just because I've seen him and I have kicked his ass before. So, you know, <laughs> he went from going from my bedroom to starring in a movie. Congrats, dude. Oh, he's he doing is. so well. <laughs> Coming up, Max. <laughs> How about you, Charlie? What was your favorite part? I would have to say uh, probably the part with the tall guy when the guy sleeping in the bed with the two girls and the tall ghost or apparition comes in and the cat is on the chest that was a really great part that and when the old man is talking through the door that just really freaked me out (laughs) and you nathaniel for me it's pretty much just any of the the recreations that featured yeah shadow men heavily especially just yeah the, the more shadowy ones that were really just kind of menacing those really stuck with me probably more than anything else in the movie so so um as part of the scream kings podcast we love to give movies crowns and screams crowns representing how good we thought the movie was overall screams representing how scary we thought the movie was overall um for me i gave a five it's a very scary netflix movie i feel like um but as we've just discussed it's got a lot of issues it's got a lot of problems um that's five crowns to clarify Yes, yes. Uh, as far as screams go, I gave it a seven, but that's only because I had that very personal connection with that one scene. Um, had it not been for that, and had I not been so terrified for weeks after, uh, it would be lower for sure, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Similarly, I'm also going to give it a five in crowns. Um, same reasons. I feel like there were moments that really worked and moments that didn't really work. Uh, and then uh, for Screams, I'm going to give it a six just because I think I lack that personal connection that uh, you guys had. So Yeah, I'm going to keep with on theme here and give the movie a five. Uh, I didn't think that it was that great of a movie. It was still like pretty – it was like it wasn't bad, but – it, this is where it's interesting because I didn't really necessarily enjoy the movie, but I'm going to give the screams an eight because again, it hit me on that personal level. But when I wasn't expecting it, because when I finished the movie, I was like, hey, yeah, that was all right. But then when I went to bed and I woke up in the middle of the night, I really didn't want to go to the washroom because I was like, am I having sleep paralysis now? Am I going to see something in my door? And it like, I kept thinking about the movie and I'm like, is it going to be contagious? Like they talk about in the movie. I'm like, and then I started kind of freaking out and I'm like, if a movie makes me feel that way, then yeah, it's going to be an eight. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, that's very valid. But I mean, if you really want to see a movie that's based, that perfectly sums up sleep paralysis, just watch Haunting Hill House. (laughs) Yes. We love that show too. It's so good. Uh, to me, that's the best representation of sleep paralysis. That's fair, and it's also, by the way, the be- like one of the best horror novels ever written. So, double whammy. Nath- Nathaniel has a love affair with Shirley Jackson, so you've opened up a can oh, cool. of worms. Good luck. Speaking <laughs> of which, we now have a Shirley Jackson shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Charlie, do you want to plug your podcast? Sure. Yeah. Um, this was awesome being a part of, uh, Scream Kings. Your podcast is awesome. But I mean, if you, if anybody wants to check out more horror stories and also dream lore and 
information about the supernatural, then check out uh, Knowing My Nightmares podcast. Available anywhere you uh, download podcasts, like where you downloaded this one. Yeah, where. Yeah, wherever you get a podcast, come on, it's it's everywhere. <laughs> Do you have a Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, yeah. Grinder, all of those different things? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, KMN Podcast, or uh, if you want to join me on Facebook, it's just the Knowing My Na- Nightmares Podcast Group. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, and that's uh, about it. Do you guys want to plug? Yes. As well? So uh, we are Scream Kings Podcast. Uh, we are available. Once again, everywhere uh, from Spotify to iTunes to everything in between. We also are available on Twitter and Instagram at Scream Kings Pod. And uh, we have a Facebook, but we haven't really done much on that lately. We also have uh, some sweet merchandise available uh, just on TeePublic. If you search for Scream Kings there, you'll find lots of cool t-shirts that I have recently designed, including, as I mentioned, a Shirley Jackson one or two, because Shirley Jackson is the greatest. And yeah, uh, one one other thing is that if you like the show, please, please go on iTunes and uh, give us a five-star rating and review it really does so much for uh, helping get the podcast out there, and we would really tremendously appreciate it. If life gets too scary, you can always wake up. And stay spooky, friends. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.